From the University of Alberta Alumni Association, it's What the Job. I'm Matt Ray. Um, the lowest should always be part of what your expectations would be for the, the job that you're applying for. But you also have to keep in mind, like, what, what can you live on? Like, what do you need to make ends meet? And then that should definitely fall in within your range. And it shouldn't be, you shouldn't accept a lower, like a minimum that would be less than that. On this mini episode of What the Job, Christine from the Career Center comes back to talk to us about salary negotiation. She explains how to find out what your job is worth, as well as some tips on how to negotiate. What the Job is made possible with the support of our affinity partner, TD Insurance. Did you know that through the TD Insurance Mellish Monarchs program, University of Alberta alumni are entitled to preferred rates on car, home, condo, and renter's insurance? Save even more by bundling your car and home insurance. To learn more about how you can save, please visit tdinsurance.com slash ualbertaalumni. So what's your name and what's your job? Uh, Christine Gertz, and I'm the Library and Information Specialist here at the Career Center. And you're back. I think you're our first two-time guest. Woo, that's lucky for me. And today you are going to talk about salary negotiation. I am. Very useful. Everyone who listens to this will be able to go back <laughs> to their bosses, just renegotiate a salary. But I assume this is mostly applying to when you get a job. And you're in the early parts and you are made an offer. Is, would that be right? Usually is when it would happen. But I actually think people might want to do some exploration about what their job is worth before they even start uh, applying for jobs. Just in case that surprise question of please share your salary expectation pops up and you haven't even looked at what you could expect to be paid. Where would you look to try to find that information? So there's a few different tools that we recommend to people. So the first thing that I recommend actually comes from a book that I really, really love. We have here in the center and it's called The Salary Tutor. And one of the things this author recommends is to come up with a range so that you know right away what your lowest is and what the highest will be that you would take. Um, the lowest should always be part of what your expectations would be for the, the job that you're applying for. But you also have to keep in mind, like, what, what can you live on? Like, what do you need to make ends meet? And then that should definitely fall in within your range. And it shouldn't be, you shouldn't accept a lower, like a minimum that would be less than that. So that's the first thing that kind of governs those things. Then the first tool we recommend to people is if you go on to the Alberta Learning and Information Service, there's a tool called AUKINFO. And if you search on there, you'll see the wages that are projected for those uh, for the um, occupation class that you're looking at. I think that's a good tool, especially because it's really relevant for Alberta to find out some of that information, plus start to give you kind of a range of what you can expect to get. Uh, Auk Info is, they try to update it, I believe, every two years. And so it's relevant for our region, plus it's updated information, which you don't necessarily know if you're checking out... Uh, like an online service or listing, like how old the salaries are in their index. Like they could have kept the salaries in their index since they started getting information submitted to them. So that's what I would recommend to people is checking out on Alice. Uh, then we always recommend you check with your professional association if you have one, because they usually produce the most accurate salary information. Um, some places are more regular than others getting updated salary information. And usually they're only available to members to have access or you have to pay like several thousand dollars to have access to them. So if you have are a member of professional association, I would go to check. 
And then even if you're not part of a union, there is um, a listing of collective agreements on the Government of Alberta website. And this would allow you to sort of enhance the information within your range. If you can, if there is like a, a closely aligned unionized p- position with what it is that you do, then you can get an idea of what numbers would fall within that range. Because that's what we're trying to come up with. We want to try to come up with a minimum or a maximum that's informed by the resources that you found. And then you can also chat with other people, like what you can expect, like chat with other professionals. So you get a sense of what the salary range should be, and that way you'll know when you give the offer where it should fall. Because uh, interesting in job posting, some places don't really post what the salary is going to be until, I guess, you, you interview and you ask. Yes, that's true. Um, so I think the first thing you can always check is Alice to see if they're offering within that that range and that number. And then to know that they have... Um, like if they're part of a unionized environment, like we're talking like hospitals, we're talking like uh, schools, academic institutions like the university would have a union agreement and they would have all of that information is available there, including the steps that you might be available for within that negotiation. So then what are what are some tips about entering into that negotiation besides knowing what your low and what your high is? What, should you just come out and say, this is what I want and it's the high or is that a mistake? No. Um, so Salary Tutor actually recommends using the range and negotiating from there. There are some people who would suggest that if you enter into a negotiation, you start with your high and then come down. The only problem would be how do you know that that's a realistic high? And I think like people might be going in with too high of an expectation. Although we also have some evidence from the research that people tend to lowball because they think if they're going in with their cheapest offer, they'll definitely get it. But what we've heard from employers is that it means you don't know what your job is worth. So knowing clearly what that job is, and and this is the other thing you have to be really careful about because I have people saying, I'm worth X. And then I have to talk to them about, we have to be careful here because what what you're actually negotiating is what the job is worth, not what you as a person are worth. So we have to be clear when we're looking at those numbers, like what's the job? So this is also another good reason to kind of look at salary before that because you have to have some time to remove yourself as a person from what you feel you're worth money-wise as opposed to what your skills can, can get you. So... That would be, we're talking about getting paid adequately for your skills. So for people who tend to go too high and people who tend to go, to go too low, we're looking at a more objective observation about what your skills are worth within the labor market. That's what we want to get to. And in the negotiation process, is it usually a back and forth? Like it, if you've never done it before, if you've never negotiated a salary before, should you expect the counteroffer and how do you respond to that? Uh, it depends on your industry. There are some industries that are able to, to do that and to get and engage in those uh, negotiations. And they, a counteroffer then can be totally expected. Now, if the counteroffer ends up being too low or something you would never have accepted, then you would go back again and say, no, I really think if we're looking at this objectively and based on what my research has said and share what your research is, you can come back to them with another number. It's not, if you're in an industry that tends to do those negotiations, that's not weird. If you're in an industry where they tend to not do those things, like usually unionized environments can only offer you what's available in the union. And they can't really uh, give you any higher than than what you would have received on their union agreement. So, but for other places, it's not unusual um, to to go back. Um, but again, like you have to know how much your skills are worth, and we're talking about what your skills are worth 
in the market. For some places where you can go and do much more uh, developed negotiation than that, you're also talking about what maybe your network might be worth to the employer. So you're bringing some other things that might have some different types of monetary value to them. And then you want to explore what that might be. So how do you do that sort of calculus to figure out what your skill value is? So first is checking the Alice, mm. checking job postings and getting an index and the range in there and having those numbers available to you. And then definitely chatting as much as possible with other professionals within your field. But you trying to get the... So this always shocks people. There's a lot of people who don't know how much money they make. That's not weird. This is actually one of the reasons why the Alice survey is really good because they actually talk to employers directly to get that information as opposed to talking to a person about how much they think they're paid. And sometimes people don't know how much they're paid or what they do is they're putting in other benefits that they're receiving that aren't necessarily part of their salary. But still talking with others who are comfortable with sharing that information is a really good choice to get those numbers and how much things are available. That's a good point. You mentioned benefits versus salary. Mm -hmm. When you are negotiating, um, how often is it that you should be weighing the benefits that are offered against just the total salary amount? I think you should consider it each time because the benefits that are available to people probably will affect you most at what stage you are in your life. So for example, for people who are thinking about going back to get their graduate degree, a master's degree, looking to see if the company offers a tuition remission program, including tuition remission for something that's not currently within their, their work area, that would be something that would be hugely beneficial to that person. Um, and it might be worth several thousand dollars or close to $10,000 a year. So that benefit might be something that you'd want to take a look at. So I would suggest people take a uh, look at the benefits you kind of need right now, plus what you think you might need about two to three years out because that's when you'll probably get like your next promotion or be looking for your next job step or things like that. So it seems like if you want to be successful at negotiation, then you have to really understand the profession that you're in and what the range of salaries are. And you mentioned resources to find that out, but also understand yourself, where you are in your life, what you bring to any prospective company that you're applying to. Yes. And, and there are some times where people will take a benefit that's just so much better and be willing to go with a lower salary, though it should never be lower than what you need to live, plus like a little bit of extra so you can start saving some money. Um, and to include the fact that things might get more expensive. Like it would be terrible if you did a very basic budget and accepted a, the base minimum and then were forced to relocate. Like you had to move for another place and end up with something more expensive. So kind of keep some things in mind when you're looking at what your base minimum would be. Um, but other than that, like having that kind of knowledge about what your skills are worth or what's available to you is really important for people. Uh, and the last thing I kind of want to touch on is are there any big mistakes, common mistakes that people make when they're doing negotiation? So not knowing that you can negotiate, I actually think is the big one. So, um, and the way to do that is not wait until the interview and then say, so can we negotiate salary? Cause you actually haven't, haven't received an offer yet. So that's too soon. So before you go in, this is time to be talking to other professionals, like going out to networking events, other meet and greets, talking to people who are within like a professional association or other things like that, and finding out if it's weird to negotiate in your industry. We are seeing, there are some industries that aren't negotiating as much. 
Um, and part of that has to do with pressures about the, the gender disparity in wages, that people are saying, if you don't negotiate, we won't have a big uh, gender gap when when people receive job offers. So what they're saying is, let's not negotiate at all. The salary is the salary, because then everybody starts at the same area. And they're trying to bring them together in that way. So um, doing some information interviewing to find out if negotiation is something that's acceptable in your industry is a good plan. Hmm. That's very good feedback. It's a really interesting um, area, and I think not one that people get a lot of practice or a lot of education about. So thanks a lot for talking to us about it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this What the Job mini episode. Special thanks to the fine folks at the U of A Career Center for coming on the show. And a reminder that if you are a U of A student, staff, or alumni, the Career Center is your source for career and employment information and expertise. You can reach out to them about career advice, job postings, job shadowing. If it has anything to do with careers, you can learn more about it at the Career Center. Check them out at uab.ca slash cc. That's uab.ca slash cc. That's it for this episode. For What the Job, I'm Matt Ray. See you next time.